Hello St Michael's. It's very nice to be with you, at least through a screen. And I'm looking forward to the day when it's going to be face to face again. Well done. We've got another week of lockdown behind us and surely we're another week closer to the day when fully vaccinated we're able to meet face to face. Maybe it's because I'm spending too long watching the odd wildlife program that I'm seeing similarities between what's on my screen and what's going on around me here in London. I'm not talking about the exotic species that one can see, because actually they're not so easy to spot now. I'm not talking about how the animals ward off predators. What I am thinking about is how a common theme that seems to reoccur very often in these documentaries is one moment we watch an animal and it's having a time of its life supposedly, basking in the sunshine and feasting at a waterhole, enjoying the lap of luxury, or so it looks. And then a few seasons later, or weeks later, everything's changed, then the landscape has changed. The animal's the same animal, but now it can't find water for love or money. Now life is so much tougher, and now it's a fight for survival to some extent and a new set of challenges. And what's called for in such times is, of course, survival skills and resilience. And I don't know how you feel, but I feel that the longer this period of lockdown goes on, then the more challenging it's becoming. And it would be so helpful if we could be equipped with a set of tools that will enable us to be more resilient. And so that, in fact, is the subject of our sermons over the next few weeks. Now, the people of the scriptures know a lot about challenge. There are passages and pages in the scriptures, thank goodness, which you could think of as the sunlit uplands, periods of peace and prosperity an uncontested pleasure. But when I come to think about it, aren't they rather fleeting? There are passages, thank goodness there are, in the Psalms, and there are passages on the pages where there are wonderful celebrations. I think of the Exodus. I think of Elijah smashing the prophets of Baal. I think of what happened when Nehemiah completed the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And of course, in the New Testament, there are all those times when Jesus pulls off something miraculous, water into wine, raising the dead, feeding 5,000. But am I right in thinking, I think I am, that more pages are devoted actually to struggle, to perseverance, to prevailing against the odds. Those pages far outnumber the sit back and relax pages, don't they? In other words, the prevalent key, if it was a work of music, is a minor key with some major interruptions. You could say, and I'm beginning to notice more and more, that the story of the people of God is one of learning resilience, discovering that come what may, God is faithful and can provide. And as we read this book prayerfully, it can reveal to us all sorts of secrets of how God will provide and enable us to grow not just survive in times of challenge. And 
We're going to look together now at what for many will be a very familiar passage, John chapter 15. And we're going to make some useful discoveries. But first, let's pray and then let's follow along as Nick reads the passage to us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have all the resources that we need if we're going to prevail throughout challenging times. So we pray that you would open the scriptures to us and open us to the scriptures. Give us understanding. Give us the desire to follow you and obey. Speak to us, Lord, because we're listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to Nick. Today's reading is from John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts every, off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me, my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's notice here that Jesus is in fact prepping his disciples for his imminent departure. Times of challenge are just around the corner. And it's instructive and really helpful for us to notice that God's plan for his followers is more than survival. It's not just that they will muddle through somehow, it's much greater than that. I wonder if you know about Lancelot Andrews. 
He lived from 1715 to 1783, and he's much better known by the name Capability Brown. And if you look him up on Wikipedia, it will tell you that he is England's greatest gardener. And his legacy is to be found in over 170 parks, gardens, and landscapes which survive today. Now, he was known as Capability Brown because he would look over a vista, a landscape, and he would talk about its capabilities, or in our language, its potential, or its possibilities. And where other people just looked out and saw not much, he had tremendous vision. And he was already seeing in his mind's eye that if he would just be let loose in this land, he could turn it into something magnificent. And if you've been to Blenheim Park or to Starhead or to Hampton Court or Badminton or Chatsworth, to name just a few of his products, you'll see he was right. He saw the possibilities. And it's the same with Jesus and his disciples. Did you notice in this passage? If you just focus with me on a couple of verses which are very easy to remember, which is always helpful. John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So we see here, God's plan is not only that we bear up in tough times, but that we bear fruit in tough times. Here in London, some of the shops that I walk past boast a royal coat of arms above their doors. And underneath that coat of arms, it will say something like this, by appointment to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, provider of cut flowers. And I love to think of Jesus looking at his disciples, that bunch of 12 people, and seeing above their heads his own royal warrant. And it would read something like this, by appointment to the King of Kings, purveyor of much fine fruit, fruit that will last. They didn't much look like it, did they? They probably turned to one another and said, what, us? And Jesus would have said, absolutely. I've chosen you. I've appointed you. I've commissioned you. And I've sent you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And this is my first point, a point to really lodge in our hearts, that we've been called and we've been equipped to become fruitful. Jesus looked at the disciples then, and he looks at his disciples now, and he says, I'm gonna see you through this, but you're not just gonna bear up, you're going to bear fruit. And we can. It's a promise from Jesus. Now, I was listening to a talk recently, and the speaker said, every promise in scripture rests on a premise. And as well as being catchy, it happens to be true. And the promise of bearing fruit to you and me does indeed come with conditions attached. It is, as I will show before the end of this talk, one of two promises that come in this passage with a premise.
There are others, but I'm only going to focus on two. What is the premise behind the promise of fruitfulness? It is this. We have to stay close. If you and I are going to be resilient, and if we're going to be fruitful, Jesus makes no secret of it, we have to connect with him and stay close to him. Now let me read to you from verse 4 again. And I invite you to count up the number of times that the word remain comes. Remain is the same meaning as abide, a bit old-fashioned, dwell, still old-fashioned, or stay joined to me. Sometimes when a writer in scripture repeats the word, it's obviously for emphasis. Just how strongly is John or Jesus making this point here? So let me read from verse 4. Remain in me, says Jesus, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Verse 9. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. On and on and on and on, he says, remain, 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 remain. At the risk of stirring up old wounds, if you're going to bear fruit, you need to be a remainer. Let's move on from that. It sounds so simple. It isn't a complicated command. And the rewards are abundant fruit. But we have to focus on it. And are there any key indicators that we're doing what we're being asked to do? Are there any clues of what it's like to remain or abide or stay close to Jesus and his love? Well, the answer is yes. He tells us, if you obey my commands, that's the outworking. That's the outworking. We'll come back to that in a minute. But let's notice something else about the constant gardener that's described here. He's a prodigious pruner. We're cut back in order to grow more fruitful, and not just more fruitful, but more like him. Now I'll admit straight away, these are not the most comfortable verses of the scriptures, are they? Jesus is on our case. He's constantly on our case, constantly working to get us into shape, pruning. He cuts off, this is what John says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, ouch. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it'd be even more fruitful, ouch again. Ouch under all circumstances. And haven't we discovered this to some extent? And it's important because God is at work in us to make us more like him and just as interested in that, if not more, than what he can get out of us. So it's not just to make us more productive, more fruitful, it's to make us more Christ-like, more holy. 
that he brings us. And I'll be first to admit that during this pandemic, it seems to me like God's pruning is going into overdrive. I'm much more aware of the needs of God's help, aren't you? Some of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, used to be rather luxury items. They're not now. Patience, gentleness, self-control, kindness, goodness. Oh Lord, every time I lack patience, snip, Rupert, you need to grow more like me. Self-control, every time I act out of character in the shape of being out of his character, Rupert, snip, you need more self-control, more kindness. And I'm pruning you, says Jesus, that you may grow like me. And we have to be, or we could choose to be, a lot more intentional at surrendering to him to make sure that we stay close. Okay, Lord, what part of my character or attitudes or behavior are you fixing now? And just a couple of points of comfort for us, because it could sound rather severe. I want to say that God's pruning is not like my gardening. My gardening, strictly amateur, is to cut back everything and make it look neat. Well, that's just not what God is like. Remain in my love, verse 10, is what Jesus says. God's actions are genuinely prompted and motivated by love. He's not just a constant gardener. He is too a constantly caring gardener. And uh, it's not like an experience I had some 30 years ago when I was working in a completely different parish, when a member of the congregation used to sometimes corner me and I knew I was in trouble when she would say something like this. Now, Rupert, she always never quite got my name right. Now, Rupert, I mean this in love, which I quickly came to read as code for brace, brace, you're about to be shredded. Now, God, God's approach to pruning is not along the lines of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That, that's not his strategy. Let me reassure you, he knows how we're made. A bruised reed he doesn't break. He's gentle and kind. And because of that, he prunes us. And in challenging times, we'll be more sensitive to his pruning and perhaps more open to it. And he's able to shape us in departments he couldn't get near before to make us more like him. Let's look at the second promise resting on a premise that I can highlight in this passage. It's the promise of joy springing out of obedience. And my goodness, don't we need that? In verse 11, I've told you this, and this is to obey my commands, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, that isn't something we would guess. I don't think I would have guessed that following Jesus' commands would necessarily lead to joy because they seem so often counterintuitive, not obvious. Let me give you some examples. When Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, I wouldn't have guessed that. 
when he tells us to be generous and applauds tithing. I wouldn't have guessed that that was a way to be blessed. When he tells us that to forgive is a route towards blessing, I'm not sure I would have guessed that either. Or when he tells us to share our faith, that's often so challenging and difficult, but he says that's a way to joy. And here in this passage, when he says, love one another, and not just love one another, love one another sacrificially, in a way I've loved you, laying down your lives for one another. My goodness, that sounds hard work. Yes, says Jesus, but it's my way towards blessing. Try it, see. So here's a summary of this talk, first steps towards resilience. God looks at us and sees a great future. We are, if we keep close to him, going to come through this fruitful, more fruitful than ever. Secondly, if you want to go far, stay close. If you want to go far, stay close, abide, stay joined. And this isn't something that you can do on your own really, just having a quiet time and praying and hoping for the best. We all need company in these times. It may have to be online company for the moment, but we need it and we're invited to join it. There are plenty of small groups at St. Michael's and they're growing all the time. You're most welcome to join one of them. How to do that, you'll find will come up on the screen very shortly, who to contact. And then thirdly, remember, if we're going to grow up like him, we need to be cut back by him. And the proof that we're living in his love will be found in our walk as we obey what he taught. Let's pray again together. Almighty God, we thank you that your plans for us are really good ones. The future you see written over us is abundant fruit and abundant life. We pray that you would draw us close to you, even more close. We pray that it will become our story, that we let you refine us and cut us back so that we could come more like you. And that through this period, we not only got to know you better, became more like you, but you were able to bear fruit that will last forever. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.